0: You're listening to K&J Recaps.
1: Welcome back to K&J Recaps. We are here recapping Stranger Things Season 3, Episode 8, The Battle of Starcourt. I am Jess. I am Kim. So here we are. We have reached the finale, episode eight. We have so much to talk about, um, Kim. And But maybe before we dive in, I just wanted to thank everybody who has stuck with us through eight episodes uh, in the middle of July. Or if you're listening to this at a different time, please appreciate that we did this in the middle of July <laughs> in the nicest time of the year in Canada. Um, yes.
0: I mean, we have had a, like, miserable spring and start of summer in Canada, or at least in the East Coast where we are. And uh, in the first full week of nonstop sunny weather, we have been Stranger Things podcasting. So the timing wasn't ideal, but it's still been a blast. Let's not let it go a year before we do another podcast, Jess, because um I've had a great time this week
1: I agree um you know for those who have only ever found us on our um Stranger Things podcast we have tried some different shows some to varying levels of success and interest um we are still recapping HBO's Westworld which is also on a very long release time (laughs) um yeah because they were running uh, opposite to Game of Thrones so that is way off in the distance of I believe next year um, but do check us out check out our website kjrecaps.com which is where you can see you know the podcast that we've done and certainly we're very open to feedback uh, of what people would like to see us do we've typically done television but we have talked about other mediums uh, we just haven't figured out kind of how to do that or if we will but we're always open to hearing recommendations on shows that people may like to hear have recapped um so and I also wanted to give a shout out to at Marigolds who uh tweeted us and I'm pretty sure left us a re- very lovely review um that was really supportive. And I think sometimes Kim, we've certainly mentioned this in the past, but it may have been on a different podcast. People often Um, talk about our friendship and of course we are also in-laws so
0: yes uh, I mean you guys how lucky did we get that like my (laughs) sister-in-law is pretty much my best friend ever so (laughs) I mean so we are lucky on many levels and just like we did definitely mention this in the Stranger Things podcast last year but also that I do find cute and hilarious that uh, if anyone is wondering who the voice is in our intro that is my dad so it is a family affair here at K&J recaps and I would like yeah. to mention this here because it's probably appropriate that we our family call ourselves the Griswolds so I loved hearing that call I sign know. in this episode a, yeah. when they were like when they were calling out to the Griswold family we actually have like you know a Facebook group that is called the Griswolds mm-hmm. it's private don't look for us <laughs> <laughs>
1: If you but if you're ever wondering what it's like, watch Christmas Vacation, particularly Christmas Vacation of all of the um National Lampoon's Vacation series and yes, that you've is basically our seen what it's like. So, yeah. Um okay, so we are going to dive into this monster of a finale. Um, Kim, I know you've put together all these notes. Did you want do you have any overall overarching thoughts? to start off with, or would you prefer us to go through this scene by scene?
0: Um, Well, yes. Uh, I'll just say at the onset that I had a lot of fun watching this. I think there were a lot of great high points. There were also some things that didn't blow me away as much as the... season finales did in uh, one and two. So still great. uh, But a little bit on the side of um, this season had its highs for me early in the season and then a little bit less so at the end. So you know, nothing that I'm really going to, you know, walk away from feeling super disappointed, but it wasn't my favorite finale of the three seasons we've seen so far. But still fun, still good. Uh, you know, I still enjoyed the episode and I still really enjoyed the season. So that was my take. How about you?
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And I think if we look back at your predictions at the end of last episode, I think you and I expected the episode to maybe go further in terms of like timeline and moving forward the story a bit more um you know we do get that end credit scene and the end scene a little bit but it didn't feel like it was a lot of time spent in this same timeline we've been in this entire time if that mm-hmm. makes any sense and so um you know maybe that is kind of like a a bit of a challenge and also i think this is probably especially if we are going to get more seasons maybe three ultimately is a bit of a pivot will look like maybe we've expanded the universe we're going to be operating in yeah because i don't think everything can happen in hawkins anymore (laughs) uh or it's going to be impossible i honestly feel like i would have enjoyed this episode a
0: lot more if it was a series finale um I think this could have served as a very good series finale. But knowing Fair that point. there's going to be at least one or two more episodes, it may it tainted my experience in a, some in a, a few of the things. And I know this happens at the very end of the um the episode, but I may as well just, you know, say what I'm talking about here while we're we're mentioning it, but that knowing that there's going to be at least one or two more seasons, I never had a doubt, not a single inkling in my mind that Hopper was dead. And some people yeah. might disagree with that, um, Um, Some people might not, but I mean, like, I feel incredibly confident, and I did from minute one, that he would not have died. So that whole sort of, like, heartfelt goodbyes and the letter reading, while emotionally impactful, I'm not saying that I wasn't, I wasn't, like, swayed at all by the, the emotional impact of those moments, but it was almost like it was tainted because not only did I not believe that he was gone for good, but that I was also feeling a little bit, um, Sort of gotcha'd in the same way that at the end of season one, Eleven had this fake out death and then it turns out that she isn't dead. And so I was feeling a little bit of what I talked about last episode and a bit the episode before where it's, it's feeling a little bit like a repeat of their sort of um tried and tested tactics that you know when you see them once work really well and then when you see them twice or more they feel less fresh so um so that was something for me that but if it was a series finale and I really believed that Hopper had died then I would have been a mess listening to that letter and you know what I mean I would have felt it differently
1: yeah um yeah, I think that that's uh, that's fair, and you know, you it pinned it pinned a lot of its emotional um, impact on the loss of Hopper. I'm not as upset by that because I think the feeling that Joyce and Ella are left with is very real. Agreed. Even if I completely agree with you that he is not gone, um, but that you know, seeing them go through that and ultimately probably coming to grips with just their own feelings for him, um. At the same time, and I also think that in that moment where he and I'm skipping way ahead, we can go back and start from the beginning. But he thinks, at least when he's looking at Joyce, that he is about making to a decision of self-sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So, um. Now I do, I I do think the sec. I think the season four is pretty much confirmed. I don't know if there is like ink on paper at Netflix that they have been public with, but I'm there is.
0: Okay, perfect. Yeah, I did okay. look it up after, you know, I great. started Googling after I had uh, finished watching the uh, the finale that um, essentially what I read was that a season four is like hard and fast confirmed. A season okay, five great. is likely but still a question mark. Um, okay. Yeah, but so 100% at least four seasons. So we're getting one more definitely.
1: Okay, well, we certainly have lots to tackle as we go through, but why don't we start at the very beginning of this episode with uh, our cold open.
0: Okay, Uh, so Hopper, Joyce, and Murray are still en route to the mall to find the kids. And then in the mall, Eleven is still, like, on the ground screaming with this, like, writhing creature crawling around under her skin. So uh, Jonathan grabs a knife and disinfects it and then cuts into her leg and, like, fully puts, like, his whole hand in there trying to catch this sucker, slippery sucker. Uh, But he cannot do it. So Elle uses every last bit of her power to pull it out. And it was like, it was not easy for her to get this out of her leg. Like she, um, you know, busted glass walls and stuff with the effort of getting it out. And so when it came out, it was this like little wriggling you know, it's almost like a, alien
1: a, yeah you know like sh- the calf edition. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's like like a little insect version of the yeah. of the bigger thing. And then she throws it across the room and a boot lands on it and it squishes it and it's Hopper. Daddy's home. <laughs> yeah,
1: like, oh what have you guys been up to? Oh not a whole lot. It's totally fine.
0: I definitely loved this like, you know, this moment where the the team, like, the gang of kids look up. Yeah. And, like, the adults have arrived. And it's just, like, you know, Hopper in the middle flanked by Joyce and Marie. It just, like, felt like a great, you know, moment when finally, like, all of them are together.
1: And where's Karen? Oh, Karen is on the gravitrod. No big deal. Just, That's right. She's just not coming to save thing. the day, Kim. You can just file that away in your most ridiculous <laughs> theories ever. My
0: God, you guys, I got so many things wrong in this episode. But
1: I think there's some good things right, you know? I mean, you sure. put yourself way out there. And there's, yeah. I had very
0: specific thoughts. I really put down on paper um, a very, very <laughs> tidy, <laughs> everyone yeah. lives happily ever after finale. right Yeah
1: oh um so can i ask a question because you did raise this in one and um of your theories which is about l's powers like could we talk about that here even though i know we're gonna see it play out so you know you just mentioned that it takes all of the power she has left she later mentions her batteries are drained like what do you think is happening with l's powers in this episode
0: I'm not sure. I think that's a great question. I do think that it's more than just she used her powers so much that now she needs to recharge her batteries because three months have gone by and she's still not using them uh, or not able to use them. So, um, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, but I feel like the, the mind flayer itself has some kind of like psychic abilities and impact obviously, because when it is, you know, infiltrating your mind, it can get inside you. It knows your memories, whatever. I just feel like maybe this wound has had lasting effects I don't know that I believe that the mind flare is still like inside her in some way but I think yeah. that it's not a normal wound and not impacting her in a normal way so I don't know that it's going to come back uh, beyond what I suggested last week which was that I think that her not having the ability to draw on her powers at will in the at least in the early onset, is that's how it's going to serve the story. But I don't think there's going to be a storyline of like, Elle still has a piece of the mind flayer in her and she has to expel it in some way, you know, etc. cetera. Um, yeah. You know?
1: I agree with that. I mean, I was wondering, I guess, if it's um, physical, like the fact that this thing was in her, whether it – not that it's still around, but that it – you know, did something to her physically in removing that um, that has impacted her. But I completely agree. Like, the fact that we see later that she is still not able to do those things indicates it's not just like that that night she was drained. It's a, right. It's a bigger issue than that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but not gone for good, I don't think. Her Correct. powers will... Um, you know, reemerge, but I think it's going to take some time and sh- it's going to be somewhat gradual, which will probably, you know, play a factor in the early episodes of season four, but I don't think it would carry right. on too long.
1: Um. Okay, so the kids Phil, Hopper and the others in on what's been happening. Steve summarizes that the monster is a gigantic weapon made of melted people. You know, accurate. Um, <laughs> if they close the gate, they cut off the the brain off from the body and they kill it okay
0: can we pause for a quick moment yeah so
1: um
0: okay so I understand now <laughs> that when in episode like three or whatever it was when Will was saying that there was a portion of the mind flare left behind that was the mind flare that ex- was expelled from Will and that's how they were explaining that the mind flare was here in fact that was completely inaccurate I continued to like go with that, um, with that explanation. Um, meanwhile, like, as it turns out, they explained it in that way only because they knew that the gate was not, or they did not know that the they gate was open. They didn't know. Yeah. Right. And so I, I don't know if I'm just dense or if, like, I don't feel I'm like they did you. a great job of explaining too. that this was, in fact, not a thing where the mind flare was, left in our world and locked out and whatever that it was the entire time a result of the gate being open even though Alexi described the gate as in the process of opening and not fully open but like yeah I'm glad to hear that you also were confused by this it's perfectly clear to me now after watching this episode but until this very moment I was like oh I thought that Will's explanation was the right one or at least partially right and it turns out it was wrong all
1: along Yeah I'm glad you raised it too because I was like did I just misunderstand that and I also am annoyed because we are basically you know told to take at face value what these kids say 99.8% of the time that it's they're pretty damn accurate about things including naming the things knowing the drives of what is prompting these creatures to do stuff etc and so I really did take that at face value that when he guessed that but yes uh so I think that that was a challenging moment of explanation or exposition um, by the show. Cause that yeah, was...
0: and I remember when Will when Will gave that explanation that max raised that was just like a one-line throwaway but all the demo dogs died so like why would the demo dogs die but this piece that was in will would remain alive right. and that one throwaway i guess was like alerting the viewer or supposed to that this explanation is their best guess but isn't necessarily accurate and then i don't know if we were supposed to piece the and put the pieces together before now but ultimately a lot of my theory theorizing, theorizing and and discussion in the past like three or four episodes was based on that premise and now i'm like oh okay I'm like they just had to close the gate clearly like okay
1: sorry everyone pretty, that's pretty black and white <laughs> <laughs> um So Murray starts to run through the plan he worked on with Alexei. He has the diagrams of the Russian facility. Uh, Dustin and Erica, who, of course, have been down there, see the immediate flaws that will result in inevitable death. They offer to act as guides through the tunnel system. Hopper is, like, hard no. Yeah. Um, He says they can walk them through it via walkie-talkie from a safe distance, which, of course, luckily Cerebro exists, and he can use his custom-built radio tower Good thing you got a girlfriend, Dustin. Your girlfriend, it's so true. Tower yeah. just saved the world for multiple reasons, exactly. Yeah. Um, so they uh, need a head start and a car, which they get. Um, and before taking off with Steve, Robin, and Erica, Dustin has a really nice group hug where the boys kind of regroup and, you yes. know, say that they did miss him and acknowledge yeah. that
0: they are still <laughs> a party of four a friendship. Correct. I mean obviously the party has grown, but these four boys I mean are still are still best friends uh which is nice to see because Dustin has literally not spent any time with them uh since like episode 1.
1: And I have to say, if I could hang out with Stephen Robin, I don't know if I would either. <laughs> I, find I know, them honestly. Very
0: fun, so. Yeah, I mean, I could watch Mike and Elle awkward kiss all afternoon, <laughs> or I could hang out with Stephen Robin. It's not a contest for me.
1: It's Like
0: true. you yeah. know, what? Even Steve, if he's busy, like Robin, what are you up to? Be my friend forever.
1: I predict by you know the by a few weeks from this that he and robin have their own very cool secret handshake that involves you know mime slaying etc so yeah i mean if you've got a secret handshake with someone you're gonna spend your time with them
0: that's true that is true if for nothing else than to do your handshake <laughs> <laughs> so it's true. the best Why part of have, hanging out with that it. person <laughs> that's right um okay so the rest of the kids uh they prepare to leave to hide out at murray's house so will and joyce they have a heartfelt goodbye will is of course scared for joyce 11 wants to stay and fight and she has a really touching goodbye with uh with hopper when she says that her battery is low but she can recharge but hopper tells her no she can fight better than any of them but ultimately they know that the monster is after her it's not after him so uh it's best for her to be safe and to hide at Maries and that um he will handle the world saving so uh he they they give a hug goodbye and then after everyone else heads to the car, uh, Hopper is actually surprised to see that Joyce didn't join them because he thought this was going to be a two-man job with Murray. And as it turns out, uh, in order to blow up the key, which of course is the ultimate goal, yes. you actually need three people. So Hopper's not pleased about this, but I mean, you're not going to talk Joyce Byers out of staying, right?
1: Fuck no. Also, like, <laughs> I hadn't realized how much taller Will was then, Joyce? he had to have grown
0: in this season from the time they shot episode 1 to the time they shot episode 8 that kid grew a foot and a half he's only 15 (laughs) like in real life he is 15 and he I mean I remember us saying in like episode 1 or 2 they did such a good job of making Will like look like he did in the first two seasons but by episode 8 the knee socks and shorts and that bowl cut looked awkward as hell on that giant ass man
1: yeah, I know. The, my favorite story of a kid having a huge growth spurt during filming is actually from Almost Famous. And the actor, like the teenager actor in that, whose name I can't remember right now, but um, he apparently grew tremendously during the shooting of Almost Famous. And really? so they, yeah, increasingly had to put all of the fellow grown-up adult actors in lifted shoes just to, <laughs> so that they would keep... So- consistency oh my god by the <laughs> end they were all wearing stilts right they're like god stop growing
0: <laughs> they all look like Robert Downey Jr. in the in the newest what was the Avengers movie where he was wearing that bootleg tracksuit in the beginning and he was 100% oh on god, stilts yes. through that whole scene every right. every scene that he's in with Gwyneth Paltrow <laughs> yeah and his waist like hits her tits or something I don't know it's so <laughs> to look at them <laughs> side by side oh my god like, I like you guys accurate. just google Robert Downey Jr. lifts and it's hilarious there's one where <laughs> someone has like drawn a diagram of what his feet look like he always wears these special shoes I'm sorry that was a real uh, aside it has nothing to do with amazing. this but it's hilarious well, and Joyce, I highly recommend it
1: yeah Joyce should have been in actual lifts because like when she hugs her son, it's like it's just it's still very touching it's just he's not really her little boy in a literal sense anymore he is actually quite large yes um so the kids all pile into the station wagon. this is wagon this is to head to murray's um but they won't start and jonathan and nancy check under the hood the ignition cable is missing and then this is when you see billy and his car across the parking lot you know Rev- revving the engine maniacally, um, so they have no choice but to turn around and go back into the very dangerous mall. At this point, I Ooh.
0: mean, I find like I don't really care about this. It's, it is just funny to picture that Billy like popped their hood and took the cable, and then like <laughs> obviously got I'm back sure in this car. Do this, but I just picture yeah. him like walking all the way across the parking lot, <laughs> getting in his car, That's and then amazing. like just waiting, yeah. like. <laughs> why wouldn't you just like wait on their car yeah <laughs> i don't know, yes. I don't know. Um, you're
1: unstoppable I, I-, I don't
0: know whatever it's cooler in a car with a flash of headlights it definitely looks cooler and i guess i mean a car is a better weapon than just billy though he is pretty uh is. He, yeah he's he is definitely someone who could uh put the hurt on for sure Um, so on the elevator down to the Russian facility, Hopper and Joyce are arguing yet again about uh, this time. It's about the the plans. I just like, I've, I mean, you guys, this is, <laughs> this is an important mission you're on. Just like, yeah. I don't know, put a focus. Yeah, focus. Put a stop to the bickering just for like a minute, please. Uh, so Murray breaks up their fighting yet again and assures them that if all goes according to plan, then the Russians won't even know that they were there. Uh, I think it's a surprise to no one that that doesn't happen. (laughs) They open the (laughs) elevator doors to a bunch of Russians waiting for them with guns. And then Murray launches into this like story in Russian about how, you know, they're there for legitimate reasons. And then Hopper just steps behind them and just shoots everyone. (laughs) And then they put on Russian uniforms, which is a tried and true sort of like, you know, espionage. Uh, but uh, trope but it works it works every time I'm I, it would have worked better than not
1: and they're ha- like hairier than all the other Russians by a factor of you know 10 at least
0: oh yeah the facial hair and like it, I mean I feel I feel like somehow <laughs> the Russian military wouldn't be like oh you're going
1: for a 70s stash with your uniform i fine with that <laughs> totally cool it's only the Soviet Union um so Steve uh, is has been given the keys to the Todd Father car of Hoppers. He is with Robin, Dustin, Erika on their way to Cerebro. Um, so Kim, you have a note here regarding Ghostbusters Two.
0: I wish I hadn't put the note in because I I wish that I had asked you like what. Movie, does that song remind you of the song that they're listening to? I cannot think of anything else when I hear it except for Ghostbusters 2 when they're making the Statue of Liberty. Um, that's amazing, like walk yeah. through the city. You know, the, you know, yeah. the song that was playing, Your love yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, lifted lifting me higher.
0: You guys, that was for you. <laughs> that was
1: better than the Susie Dustin never ending story that's coming later. So, I that have was incredible.
0: a Opinions on that. <laughs> um, okay, well, we're coming to that. Yes. Anyway, so I did. I looked it up because I was like, please, can this be like a nod to Ghostbusters 2? It was not. Ghostbusters 2, uh, well, I mean, it's an 80s movie, but it was 1989, so four years after <laughs> this is supposed to right. take place. So uh, in my mind, they were literally listening to the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack as they were traveling to Cerebro, but alas, it was not the case.
1: That was ruined. Uh, so... Robin mentions that Susie must have been pretty perfect for Dustin to have gone through the immense trouble of creating a radio tower. And he once again says that she's as perfect as a person can be. Um, And when Erica claims that this might sound made made up, I love Steve's reaction where he just hesitates (laughs) just a little bit. A little too long. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So they ultimately, the Todd father does get stuck at some point going, you know, way up that hill and they have to make the rest of their way on foot.
0: So meanwhile, Mike is trying to contact Dustin and the others to let them know that they're stuck in the mall and they need a ride. Yes. Um, but there is no answer because, as we just saw, they are still en route. Um, so the kids prepare to fight. Nancy takes a gun from a dead soldier because they know that if Billy knows where they are, then the Mind Flayer does too, and the monster is going to be there any minute. Uh, so the Jonathan then realizes that the car that Elle used to kill all of the Russian soldiers earlier is... It is not drivable, but it would have an ignition cable, so they try to turn the flip the car over to get access to it, but are not able to at least not initially and um l's powers are too weak to help, so this is the first of many times, obviously that we see that l is pretty much like just completely incapacitated through this whole um episode. I am a little disappointed i mean uh so. L not having powers or L not being able to sort of contribute to the fight, we kind of knew that that was going to happen. But I wish, I do wish that there was an element of struggle or internal battle that, like I had mentioned before, um, you know, in a similar way to the way that Billy struggled against the Mind Flayers' mind invasion in the first one or two episodes. But I wanted to see L have that same struggle, but L with all of her own psychic intelligence um, telekinetic powers giving her an advantage in this mental struggle I feel like that would have been uh an interesting thing to see whereas I think what we ended up with was a lot of like running and hiding and it was very suspenseful yeah. but it didn't have that same element that I was looking for
1: I think that's very on point um yeah it was a bit like it rested a little bit too much on you know the effects and the Um, just the impact of the visuals rather than I think having the fully crisp story that we have come to expect pay off in, you know, the finale and have those like theories that are building and coming to fruition. So, yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, So back within the, you know, underground Russian facility, Murray and Hopper in an electric car, they're dressed as Russian soldiers, which we mentioned Joyce is hidden in the back. And this is where Murray puts to use his uh, his Russian to charm the guards instead of just having to shoot everybody approach. And I have to, like, I think this is my favorite scene of the whole episode. <laughs> I just love Brett Gelman, who plays Murray, so much. And when they start, like, joking and Hopper is just sitting there stone-faced and... I don't know. This little bit of comic relief was (laughs) Hopper doesn't understand
0: anything they're saying, and then like Murray kind of like nudges him a little bit, like ha ha ha, like laugh with us, idiot.
1: (laughs) And he's just so good at, um, you know, like the guard is like, well, I've never seen you before, and he's like, well, we came in on the night shift, and then he just jumps right into. They just create this bond, and the guy's like, "Go ahead, (laughs) no problem," you know. I loved it. Um, What's that actor's name again? Brett Gilman, and he's been in a few things. You know, when you start, you see someone in one thing, and then suddenly they appear yes. in, like, a whole bunch of things. He because is in lots of stuff, and this is not at all related to <laughs>
0: Stranger Things whatsoever, but one of my favorite shows that uh, is less well-known than it should be is called Fleabag, and uh, he is a character in it. It is That's a British right. show, um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Is that her name? Yes, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who created Killing Eve, wrote and starred in this two-season show. It's just two seasons and done, six episodes each. It's one of my favorites. If anyone is looking for a good show out there that you might not have heard of before, that is one I love.
1: She also voiced the very excellent droid in Solo, the Han Solo uh, backstory movie. She is, I mean, she is just a total gift to humanity, but um, yes, yeah uh okay so murray bonds with the guard they end up getting access to the storage room that we've seen before murray goes down into the tunnels um we the radio is working and he gets a message from dustin and he's been assigned the call sign of bald eagle perfect (laughs) which is great um and as he climbs into the vents because of course now the only russian speaker has left uh the other two behind he reminds hopper and joyce to just smile and nod if anyone speaks to them in <laughs> russian
0: um i do love that like this is just like a silly little throwaway, but i love that it does have a payoff later when like yes. you know hopper and joyce are just like mm-hmm, sure and, <laughs> and and then like breeze by a like a russian soldier <laughs> later so back at the mall, the gang is using physics to get the car turned over. So <laughs> without Elle's uh, abilities, they have to uh, go back to the the basics of physics uh, to get the car turned over. And they do get an ignition cable. Uh, meanwhile, Elle, Elle is digging through the garbage for a Coke can so that she can try her powers uh, like she did when she was first learning how to control them back in the lab. Um, no luck. Nothing's working. Uh, Will then feels that the Mind flare has arrived and they look up to see the monster through the mall's glass ceiling and then everyone scatters to find a hiding spot as the monster crashes through the ceiling into the food court.
1: Which is cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, yes. like, again, Starcourt is just a fantastic set and I loved, you know, just the way that it looked as this fight was happening. It was a great location, especially because I do find that Stranger Things has relied heavily on the woods as a backdrop and you know that's just not as visually exciting as this very cool like mall setting Mm -hmm. so I did appreciate that the you know it kind of all went down there
0: there was a level of suspense that was missing for me a little bit though that I find that you know the woods or the tunnels or the I mean it did it gave me uh I don't know maybe more of this uh Sort of thriller horror movie type feeling when they when they're in some of those darker more ominous sets. In this one, I don't know if it was the set really so much or really just the uh, I don't know the the battle itself was one that was uh, a little bit less suspenseful for me and I think actually it might have been like with the demo dogs that like traveling in packs and you don't know where one's gonna come from next where this was like a giant monster where you knew where it was the whole time there was some a little bit with like the tentacle stuff and whatever but um but yeah anyway it was uh it was uh very cool when it crashed through the ceiling and then everyone
1: scattering to find a hiding spot obviously because terrifying. Yeah. Uh, So the Terminator has arrived inside the Russian facilities. He finds the dead soldiers at the bottom of the elevator. Inside the storage facility itself, uh, Joyce and Hopper hash things out while they're waiting for Murray. Hopper asks Joyce if she's still moving, and she's kind of, like, noncommittal, but she does say that they'll go on a real date where he picks her up and everything.
0: This was very cute. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so if Hopper had... had quote unquote lived I have no doubt that that uh, Joyce would have stayed in Hawkins you know with him or they would have moved together or something but uh yeah date um, oh yeah
1: like how can she you know from Joyce's perspective at the end how could you stay like it was already remarkable it was one of the first jokes I made in this new season is how are you still there anyway you know uh so now if you think that you've lost again you know a huge part of your life even if her and hopper were never romantic that still you know you now have his adopted daughter under your wing etc like you're clearly getting the hell out of dodge right Um, i understand so what
0: do you think that's going to look like next season with the gang not all being in hawkins
1: I'm very ex- Like I don't. So they, do they say where they're going, or they just say that they're gonna, you know, call? It's far enough away that they need to visit at kind of major holidays. Yeah, they did. But do they, they did not say where they where they were going, Kay. but yeah. I mean, I think we've expanded tremendously here <laughs> because yeah. I also think there's going to be a a lot that happens in Russia. Um, but
0: do you think that like our gang is gonna get on a plane and go to Russia? Because <laughs> I don't.
1: No, but I do. I mean, I do have theories, but I also do you want theories. to? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about this now or when we get later
0: on? I mean, we can talk about them when we get to the scenes and the post-credit scene and whatever. But like ultimately, right. I guess. So I guess what we're both in agreement with then is that Hawkins is no longer going to be like the se- center of the action. Um, I think that I think we're going to see some of Hawkins I don't think it's going to be not there I think that maybe I agree maybe we're going to have you know Joyce and the others called back to Hawkins because like of an SOS Um, but I do think that yes you're right there's an expanding of our world that's going to allow us to see more of the outside of Hawkins because obviously this is a global issue now it always was but I mean it was always very centered in Hawkins but now there's a Demogorgon in Russian and sorry in Russia like I don't know, shit is spreading.
1: <laughs> right. I mean, I made a joke about this in one of the first episodes that, you know, I had just watched Chernobyl. Um, but that does happen next year, uh, which many think is kind of the beginning of the end of the Soviet Union. And of course, the whole world turns its eye majorly on the Soviet Union when the details about Chernobyl start actually right releasing. You're- I mean...
0: There is a very popular theory right now on Reddit specifically related to uh, the way in which this story is being told that it was like, did you see this on Reddit about Chernobyl? And- no,
1: I don't. Fo- I, this is the one subreddit I avoid because I'm always so paranoid of being spoiled that I don't watch it. I don't read it. So um,
0: ultimately, the theory is just that in season one, it is um, Christmas 1981.
1: Mm -hmm. No.
0: 1982? Two? Yeah. Christmas 1982. And then uh, fall 1983. And then summer... 1985, I'm butchering this, but ultimately... No, no there this was right, because it's
1: fall 83 into summer 84 because last season takes place, you know, by the time yeah. it ends, it's like the end it, of school dance or whatever, yeah.
0: In any case, so like the pattern that they found with it a going ahead by one year and one season, uh, like literally... A, Uh, you know a calendar season with every season that the show advances that if spring 1986 it would put it exactly at the timing of Chernobyl and then you know with the um you know the covering the covering up of all of this stuff all of this supernatural alien otherworldly stuff with like real uh you know, natural disasters and stuff that they you know call it. In this case, the mall was a fire, so there the theory is that that tragedy is then ex- you know used to explain. There was real no real Chernobyl tragedy; it was just used to explain this giant thing that's happening in Russia. But I really interesting. I mean, there's a lot of buy into that, but I don't.
1: Yeah, I didn't. I don't think it's going to be used to cover it up. But I just think that, like you know. It's such a huge deal for the Soviet Union, and that there has to be some sort of like, you can't avoid that. If you you know are able to so heavily feature major pop like moments in time in your show, regardless, that has to be addressed in some way, shape, or form if yes. we're at all past spring nineteen eighty six. I, I so absolutely that agree. Means, yeah that people are paying more attention to what is happening in the Soviet Union or people are more afraid of, you know, going there. I don't know, but it's got to factor in as as some sort of element to it. But I don't think that Chernobyl I, – I mean, I can't imagine they're going to make that Chernobyl was fake, especially when the whole world has just been addicted to a show hy- with hyper-realism focused on I know. how I it really all happened. Think that it like, it feels that, like is, that
0: is the reason why I don't buy into that theory, is that I think that, you know – in a show where supernatural events are covered over by like explained away by pretending that it was um just sort of a run-of-the-mill disaster that's all fine and good but then using a real disaster where a lot of people died where it is like a moment in history that especially right now because of this show is really you know fresh in people's minds or whatever to just pretend that that never happened for the purposes of you know uh telling a, a story that you're you're like it's, you know, it's all just supernatural yeah. stuff, and this, you know, if it, they can absolutely do that, just not with a real life tragedy that they, you yeah. know, that they are then kind of making, they're cheapening uh, the the weight of Correct. the experience by doing that. I think so. That's why. But I, I, think, I think what could
1: happen it. is like some of the top Soviet scientists, for example, are called away. Yes. You know, from this experiment, because they now need to go focus on this natural disaster that's happening. We know that the brain trust, the entire brain trust of the Soviet Union went and kind of like focused on it. So maybe that provides an yes. opportunity with what's happening for things to go down, kind of. I thing. agree.
0: Um, I think that they could yeah. happen in parallel. They couldn't just pretend right. it didn't happen. Like in the same yeah. way that, you know, like Captain America stuff happens at the same time as World War II. That World it's War like, yeah, yes, there was sure. no Captain America in World War II. That is an invention that you're putting in for the purposes of of this movie that's fine but you can't pretend that world war ii never happened and that it was all avengers the whole time and then you know what i mean like
1: yeah no totally um
0: okay uh dustin and erica continue to direct murray through the tunnels and then from their high vantage point up on the hill they can see that the lights of the mall are like flickering so they know that something is wrong (laughs) i mean that is an understatement (laughs) it's like flickering it's like completely destroyed um so, they try to contact the gang with call sign Griswold family, uh, but oh, the only isn't... response that they get is sort of the roar of the monster. So, Steve and Robin rush to the I back love the monster, the
1: like, picks it up, picks up the walkie-talkie, and, like, screams at it. Yeah. I actually did really kind of like that moment. <laughs> yeah. In, in
0: like, Mind Flayer, he's like,
1: Hello! Yeah. <laughs> That's just what it sounds like. <laughs> this is Griswold! Yes, right. whatever Mind Flayer speaks.
0: Um, yeah, so then Steve and Robin run back to the car so they can get back to the mall and help them.
1: Okay. In the mall, the monster is searching for Elle and the others. Uh, Lucas, Will, Nancy, and Jonathan are hidden behind the car while Max, Mike, and Elle are on the opposite side of the food court. Um, When the monster isn't looking in their direction, Elle, Max, and Mike make a run for the gap where Elle knows that there is an exit. They ultimately make too much noise. A quick moment that,
0: uh... When L said so originally, like Mike said, we can run up the stairs, and then yeah. L said there's another way through the gap. That I thought they were gonna run through the monster's legs, <laughs> like through the gap in the monster's legs, and then I was like, I thought the
1: same thing. You that's did? so funny. Yeah, I definitely did. I was like, okay, oh, that's really really ballsy, but okay. <laughs> know, oh, but you they mean were like no the, the clothing gap? Clothing store, <laughs> the gap. Um. So they distract the monster or they attract attention from the monster. Sorry. Um, and the monster uses its tentacle arm to probe through the store, which pulls out a mannequin wearing, of course, the outfit we saw Elle purchase earlier this season. Um, just as the monster is closing in on them, Lucas gets the monster's attention by popping a balloon on the other side of the food court with his wrist rocket. And I just have to say, Kim, your notes say pooping a balloon on the other side of the food court. <laughs> Uh <laughs> that
0: would be distracting. Lucas pops a squat and poops a balloon in the middle of the food court. I mean, if I were that monster, I'd want to take a look at that. I
1: <laughs> what is happening over here? Oh, that's
0: amazing. Uh, hilarious typo. Yeah. This is like a quick like this is a, a quick look into what every text I write just is like. <laughs>
1: I've learned how to speak Kim very effectively, uh. so I don't even bat an eye now. Yeah. Oh, my God. my I just, like,
0: I don't bother to go back and reread or whatever. I'm just, like, button
1: mash. <laughs> like, this should probably make enough sense that you can get it. Oh, my God. Um. So while the monster is attracted, everyone runs for the exit is the end of that scene. Uh, And then Murray has arrived at his destination
0: in the Russian facility through the tunnels. He rips wires apart, alarms go off, malfunctions are caused throughout the lab. So this of course is Hopper and Joyce's cue. And then while the guards are running towards the alarm, they go into it to, you know, the vault area to get the keys. So they enter the code that Murray gave gave them and it does not work. So Murray thought he knew Planck's constant but apparently did not. Why Alexi couldn't just hard. give them the numbers, I don't I don't know.
1: Because
0: Yeah because we needed to have a solid four minutes dedicated to a song that would get us the code. Okay, more you, you know what, we'll talk about that when it comes. Uh, so Dustin doesn't know it by heart. And contrary to my um, theory from last episode, Erica... Absolutely does not admit that she's a nerd in this moment. And no, she does not know this this I uh, love this. Cody she was just did. like,
1: no, I do not. Yeah. <laughs> uh
0: so then Dustin, of course, gets an idea of someone who might know it. It is Susie. So he changes the radio frequency, and we will see more of that in a minute.
1: In the meantime, Nancy Jonathan and the gang run for the car, the um real car, and try to get it started with the new cable. Uh, Billy revs his engine and drives straight for them at top speed. Nancy stands her crown and shoots at him as he races towards them. Um, And just as he is, Billy is about to hit them, Steve and Robin show back up and they T-bone him with the Todd father, which was pretty great. Um, They see the monster coming for them. They hop into the station wagon and take off and the monster follows them as they lead it away from the mall.
0: This was a really—I mean, like I, when I say that I felt like there weren't as many tense or thrilling moments in this episode, and there were in some of the other finales. This moment had me like heart in throat. I did not see Steve and them coming to T Bone him. Um, I like—I didn't think everybody was about to get hit by this car, but I did not expect to see uh, Steve smash into him from the side. I like no, this was it, that thrilling. was great, thrilling.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Um. Meanwhile, uh, somewhere in Salt Lake City, Susie gets a message. Um, so Dustin puts her on the same frequency as everyone. So everyone is hearing this. So she is very happy to hear from her Dusty bun, but not happy that she hasn't heard from him in a week. So although he is desperately asking her for Planck's Constant, she will not tell him until she hears him sing their song And with no choice but to comply, Dustin launches into the theme song from the never-ending story. And then Susie joins in. And then they sing the whole fucking song. The whole thing. This was like, you know, a little of this, a moment of this is fun. But this whole song with like virtually like a – like a – uh video like a music video of this with their they have like a split screen while they're singing and everyone else is just waiting for them to finish I know (laughs) we have complimented this show so many times on being able to juggle the silly and the serious but it went too silly here for me I did not like it
1: yeah yeah it's uh and I love this song is like the other thing. Like, I, Neverending Story was definitely a big part of my childhood. And this song to this day will still get stuck in my head forever. And I will just like continually sing it. And it, even I found it like. It was too much. Yeah. Too and much. And Susie is like not cool in this introduction to her. <laughs> like, I know. She but- seems to accept that she needs to save the world, but she's not gonna, yeah. I know.
0: I will say though that I was pleasantly surprised that they went in the, like, opposite direction that i thought they were going to where dustin is describing her as like you know hotter than phoebe kate's the hottest girl you'll ever see in your life yeah and then to see that she is a lovely girl but definitely she looks right. like a little girl and you know the, like appropriate for her age and she has glasses and, and she has nerdy tables like, and kind of nerdy but that dustin yeah. still finds her to be the most beautiful girl in the world that is a much better result than for Dustin to have said I honestly think that like most real 80s movies would have done what I had said which would be you know hot girl shows up and whatever but in this new reimagining of 80s storytelling this is even better so I love that that's really Um, cool. you're right also speaking of the never-ending story that a friend of mine (laughs) um, showed uh, his stepson recently and I think that his stepson is maybe like eight eight or nine Anyway, so they were watching The NeverEnding Story. I think maybe like maybe eight. So still pretty young. Um, They were watching The NeverEnding Story. And about halfway through, Jamie said to to his stepdad that he was like, this movie is really like scary and weird. And I hate it. (laughs) They they had to turn it off. And I guess like, yeah, I mean, it was kind of
1: scary and weird. Totally. I loved it, though. It's like it, it did creep me out. That's the thing. Like it was, it was not a super comfortable experience. Like I, yeah. which is kind of like the theme of a lot of stuff from my childhood. Like I think of all the rolled doll that I love too. Like oh me, I loved witches. it. The witches, yes, yeah. And it's just like it's disgusting. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like very creepy.
0: And I yet, don't know what kids that... watch today. I don't know. I wonder if uh, yeah. if it's the same sort of level of you know. Weird and scariness that that we right. had because I feel like in the eighties it was you know there was but they're
1: bringing back the dark crystal so I, yeah. mean, I mean
0: that's I mean, weird that's true
1: <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's less weird but I don't know yeah uh,
0: yeah but we watched some weird shit in the eighties labyrinth was one of my absolute favorites oh that's the another weirdest great one. fucking yeah. movie ever but David Bowie you know I he he was definitely like a childhood. A childhood crush in his like giant Tina
1: Turner wig and like pants that won't quit. God well, I don't even know. I mean, would Rocky Horror Picture Show even get made today? You know, if I you should. were to pitch the know. entire concept, <laughs> but it's a true gem.
0: Ah, uh, long live the 80s. That's right. Uh, anyway, the point is Susie gives the number eventually, Hopper and Joyce get the keys, right?
1: Uh, Billy gets out of his burning car, he is hurt, but not you know, badly enough to stop him. Uh, Max, Mike, and Elle finally make it outside, only to see Billy and they double back. He follows them. The others are still trying to lead the monster away, but it's turning around. Um, Billy knows that Elle isn't with them, so he's lost interest in them. Uh, Mike and Max help a limping Elle run through the hallways of the mall, but Billy, it's not very hard to catch up with them. Um, Max tries to make him remember who he is, but he, like, I mean kicks the shit out of all of these kids yeah basically and picks up Ellen, and carries her stack of potato style to the food court like we've seen happen earlier in this season and lays her down at the feet of the mind Flayer.
0: yes so he tells her the exact same words that he said to heather and presumably many others don't yeah. be afraid it'll be over soon just try and stay very still so i mean like I mean, I thought that the whole point was that the Mind Flayer wanted to kill Elle. but in in this scene, ultimately, it's trying to like take her over in some way. So I don't really think that that matters. Which it's, is
1: effectively the same thing, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Like all those other people are dead too.
0: Oh, that's true. I mean, like I will turn you to goo and then absorb right. you and then yeah, whatever into super flare. Yeah. Uh, So the Mind Flayer reaches out with its tentacle arm, but then suddenly fireworks come raining down, the others have made it back, and uh, in a big fat I told you so to Max, these fireworks come in very handy as they assault the monster with them by throwing them down from above. So, as the mind flare is getting hurt, we can see that Billy is also getting hurt. but uh when l tries to get away, she's still not able to uh and then Steve uh like walkie talkies to Dustin and says that they're running out of fireworks, and uh then Dustin then relays that to Joyce and Hopper, saying that
1: they need to shut the key off right now uh in the meantime, Hopper and Joyce have made it to the lab. They're just about to turn the two keys with the slowest fucking countdown from I know, three to one. I
0: know, Annoying.
1: Anyway, uh, when, of course, during that, like, 25 second countdown, Hopper is attacked from behind by the Terminator. They fight. Joy- Joyce gets caught in the crosshairs and she is ultimately knocked out. She comes to and finds that the Hopper and Terminator have moved and they're now fighting very close to the laser slash gate um time is running out to shut off the key but we know that everybody in the radius of the blast is going to turn to dust so that is a consideration but she rigs up her belt to let her do the two-man switch by herself but she is holding off turning the key so max and
0: mike wake up and uh, run back to the food court they see billy holding L down and while she is pinned under him L is remembering billy's memories that she saw uh last episode Uh, or the one before so she describes back to him what she saw she describes Mm. his memory of being on the beach with his mother in great detail she describes the beach and what his mother was wearing and how he described the waves and ultimately makes him remember this time when he was happy and uh, he starts to cry like just tears running down his cheeks so we see that she seems to be getting through to him And so the kids then are ultimately out of fireworks. Time has officially run out. So the mind flayer comes for Elle again. But this time when it strikes, Billy blocks its tentacle arm from reaching her. And more and more tentacles then come and attack Billy until finally one bursts through his chest. So Billy is the death of the season. The B names are not safe. Uh, Man! Yeah.
1: It's... (laughs) And I have to say, you know, I've I've kind of like been critical about this episode, but these things did, this whole latter half really did get to me. I was, I don't know, watching late at night. I don't know. I was super impacted by this. And I was really struck by, you know, Billy, who has been such a struggle for, well, at least one whole season. I guess this past season, he's really kind of just been, you know, possessed. So it doesn't really count. But, you know, he was such a tricky character um and then you finally get through to him and you can imagine like Kim what you were talking about the last episode of you know him actually coming back as like an actual decent human being and having a real relationship with his sister and it's just taken away from all of us like I felt that loss when the mind player stuck his tentacle through him yeah I did I I thought that was effective
0: I thought that it was very impactful too I mean I did not mourn this loss the way that I did like Bob last season of course but um but I I definitely think that they did a good job of making us feel things for Billy. Because I mean, we actually joked about how Billy was gonna be the death this season, but that ultimately yeah, and we we yeah. wouldn't care. And I think that they did a good job of making us care, even if it was just for that moment, right? Like, um It it was not a lengthy redemption story that we got for Billy, uh, but ultimately his one great final act was one of self-sacrifice. And that's kind of like the biggest uh, redeemer that you could have in terms of character, probably. So, um, yeah, I felt this death for sure. I felt the reaction that Max had to his death um yeah I'm a hundred percent there were great moments of this uh episode even though there were some I didn't like as much and I thought this was one especially as like like Billy is just fully accepting with his arms sort of stretched out you know yeah by his sides while these tentacles just like lift him off of his feet you know it was very impactful just not only in the story that they were telling but like in the the imagery that they were showing it was good yeah, I was feeling it.
1: Yeah. So down in the Russian facility, Hopper is still fighting with the Terminator directly in the line of fire. He finally gets the upper hand, throws the Russians Russian into the gears of the key. Kim's um, notes say he is very dead. He is very dead, <laughs> unlike very the actual
0: dead. Terminator who died in a very similar way, except was a machine and did not die. So right. I felt like this was a <laughs> deliberate callback yeah. to the movie that they were obviously spoofing or you know paying homage to yeah. throughout this whole storyline.
1: Um so this is when he and Joyce lock eyes. Hopper is obviously still highly in danger in the blast radius. He nods at her to do it and she has no choice. She has to turn the keys because we know that there's so much else going on. The key blows up, the laser blows up, it kills several soldiers in its path. We see that happen. The gate Closes. um Joyce is crying. She's staring at the place where Hopper had been standing just a few moments before, but there's nothing there but wreckage. And she and Murray run out of the facility. So, okay. So yeah. Thoughts. Okay, so should we maybe say? So I I'm very confident in saying that both of us are firmly in the camp that Hopper's alive, given the fact that we have a post credit scene where they reference they're in Ru- Russia and they reference the American, and it is hard to believe that that is not. Hopper correct that I do not believe both- that is Hopper <laughs> okay so, okay <laughs> that's hilarious
0: I do believe that Hopper is alive but I am like I think there is a very good chance that that is Hopper but I almost feel like it's too obvious that it's Hopper so I think it's Dr. Brenner in that fucking cell because I think that like it would just be a you know, a fun pivot if, if they made us all like steadfastly believe that Hopper is in there and then, they, and then they open the door and it's not him. Um, but I do believe that Hopper is alive because I believe that he jumped through the gate and is in the upside down.
1: So I also believe he jumped through the gate. Yes. Um, you know, he's he's in a tough situation and the only place to really go would be to try going through it. And then I think in the time jump that he has found his way to Russia where there is another gate open.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think that that is the most popular theory for sure that whether it's him who is who is traveling or whether it's the Russians who have gone in and they have found and captured him at the same time that they have found and captured this Demogorgon, that is definitely the most popular opinion. And I actually read that like um David Harbour did an interview where people are interpreting it as a all but like Outright I just, I confirmation see that. Yeah. that that is in fact the case, but I read what he said, and you know what? I think it's all a fake out. I do not think it's Hopper in the cell because then it would just be, you know, I I feel like if that's the case, it wouldn't be surprising. But I'm just going to choose to take uh, a less traveled path, and uh, and think that there's a chance that the whole thing is an elaborate fake out, and that uh hopper while still alive is not the one in that behind that door
1: so in addition to like my thoughts that this is the case i also think that stranger things has done this to us before and that they have made the case that it's the and i don't i for me i'm not like i'm not upset in fact i kind of like the fact that to me they're essentially confirming that he's alive by saying he's there and so we don't have to spend a whole if you're a game of thrones watcher you know john snow season having questions about it um and it's very much like the egos being left in the woods at the end of season one in my mind like you know we we maybe had lost l but like we were pretty darn sure that because that was happening that there was some rationale you know that he knew something that the rest of us didn't and it wasn't like an outright indicator but it was a pretty good sign yeah. um that she was still around and i feel like it's a it's very referential to me of that moment
0: i think that that makes complete sense i would not be at all surprised if you are correct um that you know that definitely is the uh the the strongest theory I think that is out there. So you know what? I just like, I just like throwing out other possibilities and I personally think it would be hilarious if the whole world is like Hopper as the door opens and then it's like Dr. Brenner behind the door.
1: Like maybe Dr. Brenner
0: went to Russia or was captured by the
1: Russians and that's how they knew about the gate in the first place. For sure. I mean, I do think that to your question too, about how, where we might be in the next season, like, I think we could be between Hawkins and question mark wherever Joyce has moved. Um, And Mm -hmm. we see a lot of our characters interacting there. Our characters are also getting older. So we may see them move even, you know, our Nancy, Steve, Jonathan's maybe, you know, even somewhere else or uh, a little bit more transitionary. And then maybe it's Hopper making his way back from Russia and busting out of this facility and kind of taking the season to to do that um, and reconvening. I guess,
0: you know, I think that, I think that, yeah, again, like that all sounds very plausible and even likely. And I guess my theory is based more on what I would rather see instead of that, which is that I would rather, I think that the story that I would rather want to watch is one where our group deliberately goes into the upside down to find Hopper and bring him out so that we're spending, like, a good deal of time instead of in Hawkins, instead of in Russia, instead of, like, in the world that we know and are familiar with, but they deliberately go in at length in The Upside Down, and, like, we see what that world is all about. I think that would just be, like, you know, that's just the story I want to see, and so I'm making my theory fit fit that.
1: (laughs) I love it, yeah. Okay, so uh, ultimately, Joyce and Marie run out of the facility yeah. right uh so at this
0: point now the key has been destroyed so the mind flare collapses dead in the mall max runs to billy he is very close to death but does manage to to tell her that he's sorry before he dies Um, Owens and the American Cavalry arrive at the mall. So (laughs) in a fleet of helicopters, backup has arrived. They search the Russian facility, but it is ultimately deserted except for Joyce and Murray. I don't know how they did that so fast, but whatever. Um, Joyce and Murray uh, see the kids when they finally get out of the facility. Joyce runs to Will and hugs him tightly and then locks eyes with Elle, who then realizes that Hopper did not make it out. Um, And then we have our time jump. So Mm -hmm. three months later, we get this horror in the Heartland news story about Hawkins and the massive cover-up. We see that the mall was explained um, as a fire that resulted in 30 deaths. So those are all of the flayed people. We see that Hopper is shown to have died heroically in that fire. And there is a lot of suspicious... um, you know, sentiment around uh, Hawkins and all of these things that are happening there. I paused at every time they showed a newspaper article, I paused to see if any of them were written by uh, Nancy Wheeler, (laughs) but none were. And? No, not a single one. I really thought that that theory, I was like, oh, we're going to see just in a quick flash as they show these papers of the stories that have been written. We're going to see Nancy's name, but no. Damn it. Uh, And then we have a very quick scene where Steve and Robin are trying to get a job at the video store since the (laughs) mall is out of commission. Uh, Robin is a shoe in but Steve is unimpressive to the uh, video store clerk, who's the same guy who used to work at the arcade and wanted to, like, you know... uh, Yeah. Uh, get rewarded for favors by getting a date with Nancy so for this guy in particular Robin's pitch about hiring Steve even though he knows nothing about movies but because he's a chip chick magnet that's going to bring them into the store this uh sways him and then just in a uh a quick uh callback
1: uh Steve then trips over a life-size cutout of Phoebe Cates you yeah there she is look at that (laughs) um so the buyer's house has sold which we've talked about everyone is helping with the packing um max and lucas torture dustin with the never-ending story theme song will donates his D books and everything um you know mike wonders if in his new location he would ever want to join another party but will assures him that he won't jonathan and nancy have a very heartfelt emotional goodbye um L is also packing up because she is going to be leaving with the buyers, which is really the best possible outcome that could have arrived, and means she'll actually get some higher quality parenting uh, <laughs> from Joyce. I think she had um,
0: some good times with Hopper, but yes, there are a few things that Joyce definitely, uh, for can, sure, can yeah. uh, can do that Hopper maybe not so much.
1: Will come more naturally, at least. Yeah. Um, She tries to use her powers here. They still aren't working. Mike, you know, assures her that he thinks that they'll come back. They make plans for holiday visits. We've kind of talked about all of this. Um, Before she leaves, though, Elle tells Mike that she did hear him the day that he told everybody that he loved her and that she loves him too. And they kiss.
0: And they kiss awkwardly. Um, I love that Will's donation of the D&D books ultimately goes to Erica. So although she did not admit that she's a nerd, (laughs) I mean, I feel like it's implied. The she yeah agreed <laughs> yeah she's gonna take up the mantle of uh you know and a great nerd trope uh so joyce is packing up hopper's things and she finds the heart-to-heart speech in his pocket Elle comes in and asks to read it and then joyce realizes that he didn't actually ever have that talk with her so she gives it to Elle <laughs> and as she reads we see flashbacks of Hopper composing it so like in the beginning it's it's all the stuff that we've heard before it's the stuff that Hopper was sort of practicing with Joyce but then in this flashback we see him start to sort of find his own words and compose it himself and this is a lovely note it, did, it definitely choked me up even though uh, I felt strongly I that he was that. alive yeah. it still was emotionally impactful I just wasn't quite the mess that I would have been if
1: I thought he was really dead. He's gone. Yeah, and I kudos to David Harbour on the reading of this. I yes. thought it was it was extremely well done and hearing it in his voice was awesome.
0: Yes so as we see the kids saying goodbye we hear hopper's voiceover telling Elle that he was stuck in a cave and that being her father made him feel things again for the first time in a really long time he tells her to keep growing keep learning and that it's going to be scary sometimes and it's going to be painful but ultimately even feeling painful feelings is better than not having any feelings at all and living in this cave that he was in before mm-hmm. he met her so oh lots of feels definitely Man. And then Joyce comes in and tells Elle that it's time to go. And with one last look of the buyer's house, they close the door and that chapter is done.
1: I also think too, I just wanted to mention that I noticed like Elle's uh, speech pattern seems to have changed more as of this time. Like it's more full sentences. And I didn't know if that was... We were supposed to get some sort of indicator of that being related to her powers, or just that three months later, and you know, being around people more again just evolved her. Yeah, I don't um, think
0: I don't think it's power. Speech pattern,
1: but it's nice to see her speak in full sentences.
0: Yes, although she was like really speaking in pretty full sentences to Mike, and then when she went in to, to see Joy, she was like, "Can I read?" <laughs> right. <laughs> I was yeah, like Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh,
1: so comes and goes. Uh, so then there's, uh, credits, but there's this post credit scene very early on that we talk about. So it, they're in Russia. There's two Russian soldiers. They're choosing a prisoner to pull from the cell. One of them says the other, not the American. We have talked about this. They ultimately pull a different man out who is begging for his life. They throw him into a blood covered cage. And this is when we see another Demogorgon has been released, uh, and feeds on this guy. Yeah. <gasps> yeah.
0: So it looks like obviously we are not done with the upside down. And, uh, you know, uh, yet again, my prediction of like, I really think that maybe, unless my like really, really far fetched predict- prediction that Brenner is in that cell instead of Hopper, then I think maybe they're just going to never address the Cali stuff again because it wasn't very popular and nobody really liked right. it. So maybe they're just letting that go. And I have to stop saying, like, mm, I don't know how much more they're going to do with the upside down. Maybe they're going to do a Cali story. It's not going to happen, Kim.
1: <laughs> and I'm not upset about that I just at think, all. It, but it could. Like, I mean, Elle needs to refine her powers. Does that mean she goes back to her? Or do they need to open something up so that they can save Hopper? I mean, I do see a lot of different directions that the I next mean, season yes, could go. Yes, that is and, true. Like, I but, mean,
0: I, yeah. I did suggest, I suggested that as uh, if Elle has no powers, and Callie needs help. Right. And so the, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think that there is a possibility there, um, but Uh, even if that happens it seems as if demogorgons and gates and you know upside down otherworldly stuff is always going to be a part of it and i'm not unhappy about that at all
1: absolutely well this has been a trip (laughs) we have made it through this is an extra long episode but i think there's so much to talk about in the finale um we do not have a confirmed release date i believe right first season four that it will be a long time probably coming but do you know give us a follow on facebook and twitter i will mention i mentioned some of our other shows earlier on we do release them in different feeds so that we don't clutter up your podcast feed so if you search kj recaps um you should be able to find us and certainly off the website KJrecaps.com, you can take a look at what else we have on offer and we hope to you know choose some new shows to tackle uh later this year so stay tuned for that and i just want to thank everyone for making their way through and kim to you for being such an awesome co-host as we talk through this show. Otherwise, I would just like binge it and not pay nearly close enough attention. So this has been great. (laughs) Thank you, Jazz. This
0: has been so fun. You are my favorite person to like go into these deep dive discussions with so i have had a great week and thanks everyone for listening and sticking with us if you have ideas of things you want us to cover next send them to us at kjrecaps.com feedback and we will consider those because we're looking for something to do next so
1: thank you so much okay Kim thanks Inez everyone signing off Okay. <laughs> right. okay bye, bye. bye.